Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Johan Gruntling, and I'm a consultant in intensive care and emergency medicine in Barts Health on the east side of London. I'm also the chairperson of the toxicology working group in the College of Emergency Medicine. And I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a talk today about a topic that I get asked about a lot. And it's about urine drug screens and the utility of them in the emergency department. Now, I can summarize this entire podcast by saying just one thing, really. What is the point? But let's start at the beginning, and let's think about this as any other sort of literature review or question that you would face in the emergency department. And let's think. Okay, so drug-related presentations are a very common phenomenon in UK emergency departments. Testing for evidence of drug abuse can also form a huge part of medical toxicology. And the bedside test is an attractive option to emergency toxicologists. The, the speed of results, the ease of use, and urine drug screening tests are ordered in the context of overdoses, trauma, medical clearance for the psychiatrists, or suspected intoxication in vulnerable patients. But we've got to be careful about this as well because the stigma attached to a positive drug test requires that special care be exercised in performing and reporting these tests. The patient may not be able to communicate the likely drug involved and the diagnostic urge of the doctor will direct the emergency physician to seek an answer. But the urine drug screens are used in an attempt to determine which drug may be, and I can, can't emphasize this enough, may be the cause of the presentation. But this may lead to incorrect diagnosis, confusion, and mismanagement. Now, I was recently approached by a consultant colleague of mine and asked if I knew the price of a urine drug screening test kit. Uh, the purpose of, of this, he wanted to buy some more some kits um, to use them in patients presenting with possible drug overdoses and unable or reluctant to give a history in the hope that it would influence management. And it got me thinking a lot about urine drug screens, and I started looking at the evidence behind this. So I did a, bit, a quick literature search, and I asked the following question, like any literature review, in patients presenting to an emergency department with a potential or possible drug intoxication, does a urine drugs of abuse screen actually change the management? So I did a bit of a literature research and found that there have actually been quite a lot of publications in the last few decades about the utility of urine drug screens of abuse. Some of these studies focus on urine testing from the emergency department in general, whilst others focus on specific subgroups of patients presenting to the emergency department. And the subgroups that they talk about mostly are children, trauma patients, and psychiatric patients. Most of the papers are praised. Uh, did not find any change in the management of patients based on the results of a urine drug screen. There were a few important papers to mention here, and I've added all these in the show notes. So Kellerman et al. noted a change in the management of three patients based on the urine drug screen results. But if you look at what they actually did, the changes are not applicable to today's accepted standard of medical practice. 
they changed the management of three patients by alkalinizing urine in patients who have taken a barbiturate or have been poisoned with barbiturates. But in my opinion, their clinical state did not warrant the change. And they were getting better anyway. Then there was Sugarman, noted a change in management of three patients, but it was not related to the drugs of abuse. Four children had their discharge destination changed because of cocaine detected on the urine drug screen. But little detail is provided of these cases. Their conclusion was still the same, that qualitative drug screens provide minimal useful information and continue to suggest that urine drug screens findings are unlikely to have any impact on clinical management decisions. The impact of urine drug screening in a pediatric emergency department, that remains a little bit unclear, especially if you start thinking about hidden potential of harm to children where kids may have been exposed to illicit substances because now it's no longer the um, the child's physical health which becomes a problem but also their mental health and their social well-being. Then there was another trial by Sporer et al. Randomly assigned minimal symptomatic patients into a group screen and a group not screened for multiple drugs. However, all patients with a depressed level of consciousness, unstable vital signs, or deteriorating clinical conditions were excluded from the study, so not very helpful. The study endpoints were time spent in the emergency department and change in management. Bias, unfortunately, could not be ruled out due to a lack of blinding. And there was also no power calculation. Schiller et al. studied the length of an inpatient stay and influence on clinical management in a randomized trial of patients allocated to a mandatory urine drug test or a usual care group. And the, I can hear you guys ask the question, what does usual care mean? In this context, it meant the patients who received the urine drug screen only if the psychiatrist's clinical judgment deemed it useful. So there you go. They also found the urine drug screen did not influence outcome or management. The trial was partially blinded, and there was no power calculation, so type 2 errors could not be excluded due to the absence of the power calculation, absence of power calculations in both these RCTs. So, what are the principal findings that we can draw from the papers that I found? So there were about 16 papers in total that I found describing urine drug testing in almost 4,000 patients. Four of the papers that I found mention a total of about 11 patients, so only 0.28%, who had their management changed based on these tests. So that's a number needed to test of about 1 in 360. But the cases were not very well described. They cannot be used to justify the use of urine drug screens in the emergency department. Overall, the opinion is that the use of emergency urine drug screening for drugs of abuse does not change the clinical management in the adult patient presenting to an emergency department with a suspected drug ingestion. Children, as I said before, presenting with possible drug ingestion remains a controversial issue and there is limited evidence to motivate against drug screening in this population group due to the significant implication of a positive result if the child has been suspected of being abused. So what are the strengths and the weaknesses of the literature? The evidence is of a weak nature. 
comprising mostly of unblinded retrospective cohort studies and two unpowered RCTs. The limited evidence is partially supported by current clinical guidelines on the use of urine drug screens in the emergency department, but a blinded, randomized controlled trial is needed to determine the usefulness of such tests. The number of studies performed and their similar conclusions actually just strengthen the evidence and adds to the idea that it doesn't actually help. How applicable is this to us? So again, the quality of the evidence is very poor. Extrapolating that into other fields of medicine, very difficult. It is still the general opinion of the National Poisons Information Service that the emergency department use of urine drug screens should be discouraged due to a lack of clinical benefit and the incursion of completely unnecessary costs. Now the next question arises, how does this work? Why are we actually using these tests and how do people do them? So what you do is urine is obtained from a patient and placed on a reagent strip and relies on a simple one-step immunochromatographic test to visually identify the presence or absence of a drug. The presence of a drug in concentrations then greater than, us- than universally accepted cutoff values is identified by the screening test, but the quantity is not. So you can use blood, gastric fluid, or urine can be used. Um, but urine is usually preferred because it is usually non-invasive and has a higher concentration of drugs, improving the sensitivity. Now, there are different types of tests out there, but the enzyme-multiplied immunoassay technique, EMIT, is the one of the most commonly used in the commercial kits. But it, the, the crux here is to understand why these tests exist and where they come from. And this all originally stems from use of the urine drug screens for employment and professional sports institutions who use the screens to look at sports men and women to see whether or not they've been taking illicit substances. So what you need then is a test that is really sensitive so that when you pick up a result, you can then say, hey, I've got a positive result here, but obviously... I can't just stop this professional person from competing in a sport. I have to confirm this test. And that's the second crux of the matter here. If you do end up using these tests, you have to get a confirmatory test. You cannot make a clinical decision based simply on the result of a urine drug screen. So what are these urine drug screens usually test for. Now, they test usually for cocaine, cannabis, opiates, amphetamines, fencyclidine, and usually benzodiazepines as well. Now, the cocaine component actually tests for benzoyleconine, which is the primary metabolite of cocaine. Benzoyleconine is metabolized more slowly than cocaine, and may lead to a false positive result for up to four days after the cocaine was last used. And obviously, this can lead to proof of recent exposure, but not necessarily intoxication. So, what about using the urine drug screens to test for opiates? 
again, the results should be interpreted with extreme care as there is significant cross-reactivity between different opiates and most can be detected in urine for up to 48 hours after exposure. Oxycodone, for example, has up to a 30% cross-reactivity depending on the type of assay used. However, other synthetic, synthetic opiates such as tramadol, fentanyl, methadone and propoxyphene show very little cross-reactivity. Now, there are specific assays for testing for methadone available for use in drug monitoring clinics. The urine assay tests for morphine metabolite, morphine glucuronide, but heroin, of course, cannot be distinguished from morphine by the urine assay since it is metabolized to morphine and then to morphine glucuronide. So if you want to detect for heroin, the heroin-specific metabolite 6-monoacetylmorphine should be tested for. But this can only really be detected for 24 hours after exposure from blood samples using GCMS techniques. What about amphetamines? So the amphetamine urine drug screen testing has also got a significant false positive rate due to cross-reactivity with medications such as labetalol or over-the-counter medications such as pseudoephedrine. Amphetamines are evolving at an alarming rate, and I've heard recent reports that there are new legal highs on the market at a rate of about one new drug per week. And the effect of these newer amphetamine-like drugs of abuse on the urine drug screen is currently unknown. Who knows whether or not that new thing that they've just brought out last week, which all the people are going crazy for, who knows whether or not that is going to make your urine drug screen light up and tell you, oh, he's taking amphetamines, when actually all he's done is taken the new version of a completely legal high. Next, let's look at benzodiazepines. Now, benzodiazepines are very easy to test for. But, due to the wide variety, it is difficult to identify a type. There is significant variability in the assays detecting benzodiazepines, leading to severe underdetection of certain benzos in overdose cases. Some benzodiazepines are almost completely broken down before being excreted in the urine as glucuronides, and a good example of that is lorazepam. So, the detection of these then needs treatment with an additional reagent known as beta-glucuronidase prior to the analysis. Some assays are now pre-treated with this to facilitate the detection, but due to these problems, the National Academy of Clinical Biochemistry actually recommends against routine screening for benzodiazepines. Now, as I mentioned before, these drug screens can be used for many different reasons, including employee drug detection and participation in competitive professional sport. Due to the significant implication of a positive test in these situations, follow-up testing with a gold standard confirmatory test, which in this case is GCMS, should be performed in order to eliminate the false positive results obtained by the initial urine screening test. But performing these confirmatory tests in an emergency department in the UK will, however, not contribute to the care of the patient. It will cause significant delays in getting the results 
and there's a lot of costs associated with these tests. And this leads us straight on to the classic misnomer that we've all heard, the tox screen. Dear nurse, dear doctor, can I please have a tox screen on this patient? And this just leads to confusion and a misunderstanding of the capability of your laboratory to exclude poisoning. Now, there are so many variables affecting the individual patient and the variety of toxins available that there is no test that you can use to exclude poisoning. All substances, if abused, will lead to toxicity and blindly searching for all the possibilities. That's just futile. However, it's been demonstrated previously that there are relatively few drugs which cause great harm. Unfortunately, the current rate of production of new drugs of abuse makes designing a comprehensive test virtually impossible. Clinical acumen remains the cornerstone of the diagnosis here, and the urine drug screen is really just not going to help you. Now, what about a negative drug screen? Can a negative drug screen reliably exclude poisoning? So these tests are extremely sensitive, and can you, if you get a negative test, say, no, this person has not been poisoned? Now, even though these tests are extremely sensitive, they just do not have the coverage. They can't test for all the drugs you can possibly think of. Thus, if you do a urine drug screen of abuse test and you get a negative result, it doesn't exclude that this patient has had any drugs. There are so many other drugs out there that can cause his condition most likely that your negative urine test is really not going to help you at all. We're left with the age-old principle which says that if you do not understand the purpose of something, then abuse is inevitable. So, let's have a look at current guidelines. Now, the Quality Control Centre of Switzerland recommends the use of emergency department drug of abuse screening. And the National Academy of Clinical Biochemistry in the US recommends the immediate availability of urine drugs of abuse testing for emergency departments. But, oddly enough, if you go read these, recommenda- these recommended guidelines, they acknowledge that this recommendation goes against all clinical consensus and is based on the unlikelihood of clinicians following guidelines recommending against the use of urine drug screens. How interesting is that? These people say that we are recommending that you do get these tests, but we know that people just won't follow our advice if we're actually being robust in our recommendations because people just won't follow them. Now, the National Poisons Information Service in the UK currently recommends the use of urine drug screens in the diagnosis of patients in an unexplained coma to determine previous ingestion of drugs for exclusion purposes in diagnosing brain death and for possible forensic reasons. But they do not recommend that it be available on a 24-hour basis or even in every hospital laboratory, and they give it a current Tier 2 test rating. Now, the current NICE guidelines on the management of self-harm recommends discussion of the individual overdose case with the NPIS before urine drug screening is undertaken. 
and the Alberta Medical Association states that a non-specific toxicology screen or a tox screen or drug screen is of limited value in the majority of cases and is rarely indicated. So, what conclusion can we draw from all this? I personally think that a careful history and examination should be the most important investigation and can identify toxidromes or other signs and symptoms of poisoning, and that will allow for better management of these cases. There have been several authors out there that have suggested the more cost-effective ordering of drug screens, but I don't agree with them. I don't think this is something that we should routinely be ordering in overdose patients who present to UK emergency departments. Obviously, there are unique situations that I cannot predict, and one of them I'll get again to in a moment. The automated response to the presentation of a patient with an overdose in many emergency departments is still to order a blind toxicology screen, but I'd caution against this. There is no evidence to suggest any usefulness in requesting blind urine drugs of abuse screens in adult patients presenting with suspected drug overdoses in an emergency department other than the clinician's psychological reassurance. The one thing I mentioned earlier is the question of requesting limited qualitative drug screens on children presenting with possible drug exposure as a sign of child abuse. That remains unanswered. And I suspect if, you're, if you have a child and you suspect they've been exposed to drugs of abuse through their parents and by that, the very virtue of that, they have been abused, that you may still need to do. But remember then... You're also dealing with forensic evidence and the question of a chain of custody comes in here and also what are you going to do with the result and whatever result you get, you will need to do another test to confirm that result. All right, so what conclusion can we draw from this? Let's summarize in a few points. Firstly, I don't think that a urine drugs of abuse screen has value in a UK emergency department. I've stopped using them for the last decade and I haven't had any issues about it since then. Secondly, if you do encounter a unique scenario where you do do or think of or actually end up doing a urine drug of abuse screen, remember that any result you get, you should confirm with a GCMS or whatever gold standard you have in your hospital to confirm that test. Thirdly, I'm talking about adults. I'm not talking about vulnerable people or children. In, that, in those population groups, using urine drugs of abuse screen may still have benefit, especially if you think that they may have been abused. So that is my take on the use of quantitative urine drug screening tests in UK emergency departments. I hope this was helpful. Any comments of greatly appreciated. Um, and I look forward to the next podcast. My name is Johan Gruntling and signing out. Bye-bye.